Good evening, church. It's great to be with you once again today. And we're going to turn back to God's Word and come and have a look at the Beatitudes. We've been, for those who are just joining us for the first time, over a number of weeks we've been looking at the Beatitudes and considering them one by one every evening. Each time we start, we read the whole lot and we have just been astounded as we've sat at the feet of the Master in this opening phrase, to the opening section to the Sermon on the Mount. And perhaps the Beatitudes, some have said uh, that it's one of the most misinterpreted and misused passages of Scripture um, and just t- t- taken out of context. And as we've unpacked it, we've seen that this is very spiritual and less kind of superficial, and many people just make it a superficial teaching and just skate on the surface of it. But really, Jesus is dealing with heart issues here um, as we look at the Beatitudes. Um, And so why don't you read with me once again. We'll recap briefly because we had a gap last week, and we'll do the one for tonight. But reading from verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Just so far in God's word. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we partake of the spiritual meal, we pray that you'll open our hearts to receive from the Master tonight. We pray that your spirit will move us to be changed, to be open to what you have to say to us. And so, Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you, Lord, and pray that you'll be glorified through your word tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Blessed are, the Greek word unpacked means fully satisfied. The world offers a form of satisfaction, but it's very fleeting. It's very, just for a moment, it's based in stuff and it's based in experience. But what Jesus offers as we unpack this teaching, as we've learned over the last couple of weeks, is far more than just fleeting teaching. It's far more than just fleeting experiences or, or momentary gifts. But these are eternal things. And we started off with that first one. Is blessed are those who are poor in spirit. If you remember, blessed are those who are absolutely spiritually understand their spiritual bankruptcy before God, that they need a Savior. This is not about doing stuff by works and getting saved because of works. No, it actually starts with that opening statement, if you remember. Blessed are those who absolutely and fully understand their spiritual bankruptcy before God. And only theirs, only those who understand that, is the kingdom of heaven belong to. Because we cannot come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts to convince us of our sinfulness. 
and our bankruptcy before God. It's initiated by God and completed by God. Isn't that wonderful? But it does mean that we need to understand our spiritual bankruptcy before God. Blessed are those who mourn. This is not about bereavement. It's a different kind of bereavement. Blessed are those who are brokenhearted and mourn because of their own sinfulness. It goes hand in hand with that, that spiritual bankruptcy. And I would mourn before God because I am sinful and I'm in need of a Savior. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have a right estimate of themselves. What a man is or person is before God. That is what he is, nothing more, nothing less. The world teaches us to think more of ourselves than what we ought to. Very interesting to read Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' teaching on the Beatitudes, his extensive teachings on it. Just Even in the 1950s, understanding that the teachings of the world was to push people to think more of themselves than what they ought to. We need to have a right estimate of who we are before God. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are desiring to be righteous and to follow God and to be in right standing before Him. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, just as God has shown us mercy. So we respond by showing mercy to others. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you desire to have a pure heart. And then tonight, this wonderful one for us. And it's maybe appropriate as we sit here tonight and we hear the fireworks going out, going off. It kind of sounds like a war zone, doesn't it? I, I would never like to be in that situation for real, but maybe some of you have experienced something like that. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. It was really so beautiful and, and wonderful the way Sally opened up the service tonight, reading from Romans chapter 5, the wonderful passage, and, and reminding us that once we are enemies before God, and even as we've been working through our Ephesians um, series in the mornings, in chapter 2, we're reminded that Jesus is our peace. That, that he's been the peacemaker. And so tonight as we come to this passage, we come with those thoughts in our mind that the one who has brought the ultimate peace, the peacemaker, is calling us to be peacemakers too. Isn't that wonderful? So we're going to start to unpack just this very simple statement. Every time we've unpacked it, it's a really simple statement, but it's often complex and what Jesus is calling us to do. What is a peacemaker? Well, somebody who makes peace to reconcile others or reconcile themselves to others. There's conflict. There's somebody who takes the initiative to bring about peace. Oh, how we pray and we long for peace in this world, but there won't be peace until Jesus comes. Jesus, People cry, peace, peace, but it's not going to come until... Jesus comes again, but for you and I, we know peace with our Heavenly Father, and we are called to be peacemakers in this world. Complete peace will come later. It's somebody whose life and effect are characterized by peace. 
Now, when you look at the following statements, we're going to look at firstly what, what peacemakers are not. Because when you look at the way that we go, it's kind of geared, and we need to be in tune to this. We need to be in tune to uh, what, what we hear, what our children hear, what the news tells us, what our work environments press on. I, I, I worked for 12 years in industrial environments, and they didn't teach you to be a peacemaker. They taught you to climb the corporate ladder. They taught you that when there was a batch of, of fabric that was faulty in this textile mill, they taught you to blame somebody else and to pass the buck. They taught you to avoid responsibility. They taught you to do all sorts of things. The opposite of peace. And we need to understand what a peacemaker is not. A peacemaker is not aggressive. And the world teaches people to be aggressive. The world teaches us to defend our own rights. If something's gone wrong in the mill, then I'm going to defend it, and I'm going to be aggressive in my defense of that. And that's what my experience was in an industrial environment. That's, that's the kind of thing that took place. Peacemakers are, are not militants. I should have put them no militancy. Black and white and force the issue. And peacemakers are not hostile. Peacemakers are not antagonistic. And we list a whole lot of things that peacemakers are not. And Jesus says, no, you're not to be like that. The world is like that. The world was like that in Jesus' day. And the world is like it in our day too. Whether you're in a workplace or just in society in general, you're watching the news and you're seeing what's going on in the world all these great wars that we've seen start with, with hearts that are far from God. Hearts that are hostile, aggressive, militants, antagonistic, defending own rights. Jesus says, no. Blessed, fully satisfied are the peacemakers. We looked last time at some of the pattern of these Beatitudes. And I'm sorry, I didn't bring the board to draw that out for you again. But as we look through these Beatitudes, they sort of build up to a climax and then come down again. And the corresponding one for the one that we're looking at tonight is blessed are the meek. Because think about this for a moment. You can't be a peacemaker unless you are humble. You can't be a peacemaker unless you're willing to say in certain circumstances, I've made a mistake, I'm wrong. And you can't do that unless you're meek, unless you have humility, unless you have a right estimate of yourself, unless you realize that there's a possibility that in your humanness there are times that you're going to be wrong or I'm going to be wrong. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. But the corresponding one is blessed are the meek and the one that comes after that sort of in the pattern, one that comes across, if you want to draw a line across to that diagram that we had last time. Blessed are the meek, um, blessed are the peacemakers. It's interesting as we note the Jewish context. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, it must have been a shock to his hearers. We all know that in Jesus' time, Israel and Palestine was overrun, kind of ruled by the Roman Empire. And the Jewish king was just a puppet king. And politically, they were just a puppet empire. They were 
under the control of the Roman Empire. And the longing of the Jewish people was for the Messiah to come. And in those political circumstances, they were expecting a Messiah king to come and to, by force, overthrow the Roman Empire. They were expecting a different kind of king to what Jesus was. And so in the context of that thinking, in the context of that kind of messianic expectations, this must have been a shock when Jesus said to them, Blessed are those who are peacemakers. They said, oh, fully satisfied. Oh, the peacemakers. Let's define a peacemaker a little bit more and just understand this in a practical way. There's two aspects to being a peacemaker. Firstly, as a peacemaker, we are to be a peaceful person. That in, our, in the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we go about life, we can't be an aggressive person. We can't be a militant person. We can't be a hostile or an antagonistic person. A, a peaceful person he is, in their conduct and activity or demeanor, is a peaceful in their approach. Peaceful people are not difficult people to get along with. Difficult people to get along with are often not peaceful people. And the first aspect of being a peacemaker is understanding that when we are filled with God's Spirit and we are walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, then our faith works itself out in a very practical way. We can't separate our theology from our life. It's got to be lived out and worked out. So we can know all the wonderful theology theological truths, but it's no good if we're not living it out. And then secondly, a peacemaker is a person who's active in making peace, that if there's a conflict situation that involves them, they are doing everything possible within reason to make peace. That's what a peacemaker is. Sometimes the temptation is, oh, well, just let sleeping dogs lie. Don't stir it. But then there's an underground, there's, there's, there's aggression, there's hurt, there's unforgiveness, there's a difficult situation. And the temptation is always, well, don't stir that situation. Don't sort it out. Leave sleeping dogs lie. No, but you know, the sleeping dog is, is going to wake up and, and be very hungry. They do all they can to promote peace and maintain it. Peacemakers are ultimately people who are actively concerned about people being at peace with God. You see, we can speak about peacemaking here, and, and there's several levels of being a peacemaker. Ultimately, peacemakers are concerned whether the, individual, the individuals that they come across are at peace with God, the kind of peace that Sally read about in the Scripture earlier, the kind of peace that we've been singing about. Here's our peace who's broken down every wall. That's walls of aggression. The peacemaker is one who turns the focus off themselves and how they affect it and turns their concern towards others 
we taught, what is my rights in this situation? Well, if somebody's done that to me, then the situation is that I need to sort it out and I need to defend my rights and enforce my rights. But being a peacemaker is to take the concern away from how I'm being affected to how it's affecting others and being concerned about them. It's so countercultural, isn't it? On so many different levels, we've been going through these Beatitudes, and it's a very powerful teaching because it's so in opposition with, it, with what everybody else does. And as Christians, when we look at the Scriptures, if we're to live out our lives, we are to live like trout swimming upstream. Is it the trout or the salmon? It's the salmon that swim upstream, isn't it? It's okay, sorry if I'm getting that mixed up. It's the salmon that swim upstream. A peacemaker is more interested in the greater good that he can, that he can do. A peacemaker has a different worldview and it concerns the glory of God. We're not talking about political peacemakers here. We're not talking about secular peacemakers here. Jesus is speaking to his followers, that's you and I. And the kind of peacemaker that Jesus is speaking about is a peacemaker who has a new worldview that involves the glory of God. So how do we, how do we be peacemakers in our life? These are really practical things, aren't they? And if I look back over my life, there's, and as I studied this, I realized that there are probably so many missed opportunities. There are things I've said that I shouldn't have said. There are things that if I just hadn't said that to somebody, even if it wasn't my fault, even if it's just me passing on a bit of information, it might have made a world of difference. And sometimes we can look back and we can look back in regret. But when we look back in regret, we need to learn from those and ask God to help us. But how do we be a peacemaker? There's just a few things that are, I believe are practical and helpful for us as we draw some practical application from the Scripture tonight. The first thing is, as I've just said, we learn not to speak. And that's a difficult thing, isn't it? If we get really real with ourselves, when there's a bit of information that we hear, we want to speak it. We want to pass it on. Well, so-and-so has done that, and we need to go and tell that person. But sometimes if we just refrain from passing that bit of information, just in doing that, we'll be instruments of peace. Because the very act of passing on negative information about what somebody else has done stirs up trouble and concern. And maybe sometimes aggression in that person's heart that we're passing the information on. For example, and this is the example that um, I kind of picked up, is when you're not, you're not a true friend when you tell him something unkind that was said by somebody else. In other words, if you have a friend, you're in a conversation with somebody else, they pass on some unkind information, they say something really terrible about that person, and you go and say to that person who's your friend, so-and-so said this about you. That's not being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker would rather not to say that. 
You don't have to pass that on. But the simple act of passing on that information is not being a conduit of peace. And I guess each situation is different, but the principle is sometimes there may be times where it's better to not say something. There's a few occasions where I've passed on information. Somebody else said this about this, what, you know, what we're doing. And I, I realized afterwards, after I passed on that information, that perhaps was it beneficial that I passed on the information? Did it create unity? No, it didn't. I would rather go back and not have passed on that information. So sometimes being a peacemaker is learning to have the wisdom when not to speak. Apostle James reminds us that we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. The Bible is very practical, isn't it? Who says the Bible is disconnected from our everyday life? Who says the Bible is an archaic book from 2,000 years ago that has absolutely no relevance? Oh, it's just so relevant, isn't it? It is so up-to-date and so appropriate. The second thing we can do as a peacemaker is to view every situation in the light of the gospel. Not only must you not speak, but you must think. Just as I had to learn to do is understand, if I pass on that information, or if I react in, in this way, if I defend myself in this particular situation, even if I feel I have the right to do, is it not better for me to hold back and to react in a different way is my reaction going to be of benefits? Is my reaction going to glorify God? Is my reaction going to bring peace in the situation? Or is it better for me to react in a different way? Sometimes we react, aren't we? And we think about it afterwards. And part of being a peacemaker is learn not to be reactive. And it's really difficult to ask ourselves, what are the implications of our response? What is the best outcome of that particular situation? How can Jesus be glorified in this? The third thing that we can do here is to be positive. In other words, to go out of one's way to look for means and methods of making peace. I don't always get this right, and I can't claim to do that. And I'm equally on the path of learning in these Beatitudes. But I remember a very difficult working situation. You know what the Lord taught me in that time? Was to learn to race ahead and show honor to this particular person before they had a chance to do so. It turns out that they never did. But I learned to do it despite that. And it wasn't easy. It was the toughest thing. But being a peacemaker is learning to do that. Look, this tension or this difficulty in this situation. I'll do what's right. I will, I will reach out with a, with a hand of friendship I'll reach out with a conversation. I'll start the conversation first. I will send a gift or I will do this or, or that first. I'll take the initiative. A peacemaker is looking for opportunities for mending something that may be broken. 
And it's not easy. It's expressing kindness even to those who've hurt you. It's taking, starting that conversation. It's finding of those points in our lives where we can learn to build bridges where the bridges have been broken. We have that saying, don't burn your bridges. Some of them say, well, they've burnt, my, they've burnt their bridges with me. You know, never again. The peacemaker is not going to say that. The peacemaker is going to say, let's, let's see what we can do to you. What can I do to build bridges? To honor Jesus in this situation. What, Christ, what would Christ have done for me? What has Christ done for me? Well, Christ has died for me, hasn't he? Maybe the fourth thing. And the commentator said this, to diffuse peace, to be an agent of peace. In other words, to live in such a way that we don't ever give anybody an opportunity for them not to be peace with ourselves. To diffuse peace or to be people that never give or try not to give any reason to be for others to be at enmity for us. We don't stir the pot or we, we try not to get people angry with us. I know that there are difficult situations. I know that there are circumstances that we need to speak truth and we need to speak up and, and, and so on. And of course, and we should do that in light of this, in light of being a godly person, in light of reflecting Jesus in difficult situations. If there is a difficult situation where there is tension, how can I be an agent of peace? How can I speak the truth in such a way that Jesus is glorified and in such a way that bridges aren't broken, in such a way that relationships, if there are broken relationships, can be healed? There's probably a whole bunch of other things that are really practical. And maybe you have some ideas yourselves from your experience. But maybe these little things might just be helpful. I don't know what the relevance is tonight. I don't know if anybody faces any difficult situation where there's some practical help needed. But I trust that as we think through these things that God would bless us. You know, we're reminded in Romans and in Ephesians that He has been our peace. And the second part of the Beatitude, and we always come to that second part of the promise that God offers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And here it is. For they'll be called sons of God. Now, Jesus is not saying, as in the other Beatitudes, we've realized that we, we, not, uh, we don't earn mercy um, or forgiveness. But, and he's not saying here that we earn our sonship by being peacemakers. He's simply saying that if you are a peacemaker, it will be evident that you are a son of God. The evidence is there. And as we spoke this morning that we are children of light, we need to live according to our inheritance as being children of light. And it's the same thing here. If we are sons of the living God, who has, through Jesus Christ, brought us peace, then the evidence of our sonship and daughtership 
ought to be that we live out this life of being peacemakers in this world. We're going to see if we can carry on reading in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you are salt and light. The passage I was read this morning, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your heavenly Father. May they see that you and I are a peacemaker. May there be healed relationships through our walk with Jesus. May there be restoration and peace within our circles if there's needs to be. It's a difficult one, isn't it? But as we've been reminded every week, that God calls us to do these really difficult things, but He doesn't leave us on His own. That He equips us with His Holy Spirit. That He's given us the instruction and the blueprint of His Word. That we're equipped and we have everything for life and godliness. That as we go out to be peacemakers, we can say, Lord, yes, but with Your help. And so as we close here tonight, maybe there's a situation that you want to just bring before the Lord in these few moments as we close. I can pray for you. And trust that God would help each one of us, wherever we find ourselves, to be instruments of His purpose, to the glory and to the honor of His name. Just this short, simple message tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you call us to be peacemakers. You are the ultimate peacemaker. And even as we reflected this morning that we are to be, we to follow the blueprint of who you are. And Father, tonight we recognize the reality of life is that sometimes relationships are difficult. Sometimes there's work situations. Sometimes there's family situations. Sometimes there's situations in our communities that uh, where it's difficult to have peace. Sometimes there's hurt and broken relationships. And Lord, we want to pray that you'll bring healing if there are any, and that you'll give us wisdom for the future, that we can be instruments of your purpose, that we can be instruments of peace, that we would reflect you, the ultimate peacemaker in our lives. That if there are broken relationships, that we'll be the first one to forgive. We're the first one to show honor. The first one to start those conversations again. The first one to take the initiative. And that you would bring restoration and blessing into our lives. That people would know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. So Lord, as we go into the week into a world that is at war on so many different levels. Help us to be peacemakers to the glory and honor of your name. We pray this in the wonderful and glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.